92.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. Pretty straightforward. So here are the phone numbers. Use them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, it's at Jeff Ward Show. You want to make comments on Twitter, you should. Uh, you've done so this week already. At times, it's come off the rails, but it's to be expected. So if you post comments, do this. Don't suck. Make the show better. Get straight to the point. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast that we drop each afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out the YouTube channel as well. We drop that every afternoon. If you want to check out the video of a weird wall, the host looking like Shrek, all that stuff. So subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show YouTube channel. We drop it in the afternoon. If you've listened to me before, if you've listened to me at all, hell, if you just started right now, you know what I think of the industry of college football and how spineless and directionless that industry is. It has no focus. It has no management. It has no vision whatsoever. It is run, in my opinion, horribly. The industry of college football is full of rich coaches demanding everything and bureaucrats hiding under their desks. It's your neighborhood association and nobody wants to make a decision. The thing is, the importance of bringing this up now is that it's all that stuff, the directionless, the mismanagement, the lack of focus, uh, no creativity. It is the anti-NFL in every single way. The NFL is brilliant in how it pivots. It's brilliant in how it runs its business. College football, not so much. And it doesn't really matter all that much. It's not a huge problem. You know, it's a bloated sport. Uh, it's it's full, of, full of bureaucrats, and the coaches have far too much power. But, you know, the biggest criticism so far from people like me, and I come from the game, by the way, and enjoyed it a great deal, but the biggest criticism from some of us is that, you know, they just don't update the rules. The game itself is clunky. It's the best term I can give for college football. It's clunky. It takes too long, and it doesn't adapt. But, and this is a much more serious but, that industry's mismanagement and the sports neglecting any policy, any forward thinking whatsoever on gambling is going to turn the sport on its head and they've done nothing to prevent it. Whatever comes college football's way, when it comes to betting and gambling and all the ugly stuff that's going to come their way, it is. They almost deserve it just for being negligent. They're looking the other way. Shockingly looking the other way when it comes to gambling. Uh, some background so people can appreciate you know, where, where, where betting is now in this country and where it is in relation to sports. Betting has been, first of all, betting has been great. For the football business, it's arguably been the best thing to happen to the football business. 
Go back in time in 2018, the Supreme Court struck down a federal law that barred states from legalizing gambling. Supreme Court stepped in, I think it was 6-3, and said, you know what, this should be a state's issue. And with that, most reasonably governed states have taken it and run with it, have embraced it and run with it. Now, that's most reasonably run states. You know, they're not run by some draconian jackasses like the state of Texas. In Texas, just so you know, because we are one of a few, not only is the state of Texas going to be the last place on the planet Okay, the planet to legalize recreational marijuana. I, we probably are going to be the last place on the planet to legalize gambling. Well, outside of state sanctioned gambling, you know, that's that stuff's cool, that stuff's moral. So, the state of Texas is run by two moral crusaders, a few really, but these are the two figureheads of your morality. Okay, that would be Ken Paxton. If you don't know anything about this genius. Uh, this Gandhi-like character is the Attorney General, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer in the state of Texas, and he makes Donald Trump look clean. Got it? He's a piece of trash, in my opinion. But he still got his job. And then there's, of course, Dan Patrick. So they are the moral compass of the state of Texas, and those moral beings that they are have decided you can't handle gambling. Let every, every other state do it. And so that's the way it's evolved. This I can't even blame on them. Um, we're one of the few states that has not allowed sports betting. So sports betting has been great for the interest of the NFL. It's been great for the interest of college football as well. More eyeballs, more people going to platforms. It's just drawn bigger audiences. The NFL has been, as usual, is proactive. The NFL is, it pivots when it needs to pivot. The NFL makes decisions and then makes more decisions and makes good decisions and and just stays on top of every issue coming its way because the NFL only cares about the product and the NFL only cares about the product that you get to see because you matter to the NFL, the viewer, the fans, that's who matters. In college football, the people that matter, the rich guys walking on sidelines that have far too much power. That's why the game takes forever. Because those knuckleheads are in the way. College football, this is not the coach's fault either. College football, the industry, has been negligent to the point that it's now playing with fire. This, this is going to implode, and they think they're fixing it, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. This thing is waiting for a scandal. Legal betting is above board. Okay, I'm not encouraging you to do it. Uh, I would tell you probably not to do it, but what the heck. It's perfectly legal everywhere else. Reasonably run states, it's legal. It's above board. The businesses that need to be transparent to earn your trust have done just that. The platforms, the betting platforms go out of their way to be transparent. They do all they need to be transparent because they need to earn your trust. They can't even have, those businesses cannot have a hint of corruption. They've got to earn your trust or they die. They don't want, they don't need a fixing scandal in the NFL. It would be terrible for business. 
even if they wanted it or tried it, um, the money and the opportunity in the NFL is so great that it's it's not worth trying to fix a game. Those, those of you, surely there's not very many people left that think that an NFL game is going to be fixed over some bet. It's not going to happen. One, the platforms, the betting sites don't want it. And two, the money is so good in the business, there's nobody in their right mind that would even try. There's not enough money to convince you to throw a game. So the NFL is almost immune from the scandals of gambling. That still doesn't stop them from making sure they're on top of it to send the message to fans, this is okay, don't worry, the fix is never in. The fix is never in, by the way. Um, But the NFL... Because it cares about public perception. The NFL cares about you liking the product. The NFL knows that you betting is is the most important thing to the fans. So the NFL works like crazy to make sure that public perception is that it's above board and there's no fix. They've cracked down on players who are legally betting, which is legal in every state except, you know, the, the one like ours, where it's very moral states like ours. Um, So they've cracked down on it. I think at times they've gone too far, but they're doing it for you. They're doing it for credibility. They're doing it for transparency. Most recently, the NFL has ruled that a player, coach, or anyone associated with the league that's betting on an NFL game in any form is out for a year. Goodbye, so long, done, clear policy, one sentence long. You bet on the football, goodbye. First defense... You're out for a year. Second offense, I think it's two years. There's no gray area. See how the NFL operates? There's no gray area. Their goal was to send a message. Players have been busted for legally betting. And while the league knows the chances of throwing a game are slim, it's a PR move. It's a smart PR move, period. We want to send a message. We want to be on top of this. Uh, We want to be partners with the gambling platforms. We don't want to be enemies. They've figured it out. They've mastered it. College football is running, not walking, into a dumpster fire. I mean, it's just a matter of time. This weak industry, this mismanaged industry, this industry with no focus at all, has mostly ignored the issue, and it's going to end badly. And they just tried to pass some rules that are comical at best. This is going to end badly. You can see it coming. So instead of stepping up, the industry of college football has done pretty much nothing. They have these long sentences. It's just blah, 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 blah. Uh, it doesn't, they don't really go anywhere. You don't really, they don't make any sense. Um, and I don't know what they're so afraid of. I, I don't quite get why college football is hiding from the issue. Maybe they just assume that if we don't look at it enough, maybe it'll kind of go away. The problems, the potential problems, and there are serious problems, will go away. I don't know. The NFL is all about the viewers and fans, while college football is about the coaches, administrators, alumni, and bureaucrats. Okay? There's the problem. The business now is so ignorant, the very real risk of a game being thrown is staring them in the face. It is. I don't even know if the whole game, something, some college kid's going to do it. Some college kids have already tried to do it. It's just going to get worse. So not going all in on trying to stop these dudes from betting is a giant mistake. All right, so... 
you know, the gambling industry, I think, is rightly terrified and trying to say, listen, you guys, you need to you need to wise up here because none of us want the scandal that's staring us in the face. That They should be all over, and they probably are, all over university presidents who always hide under their desk when it comes to football. And they should be saying, listen, you guys are fools, man. You're, you're going to ruin this for all of us if you don't crack down on some of this stuff. A $200 million NFL player is not throwing a game for a $10,000 bet. Some walk-on wide receiver or quarterback is. And they've already tried. You fools. Get this right. That's what the gambling industry is probably saying. Um, but if and when a kid tries to throw the game, the gambling industry is going to pay the price too. You know, they're going to be hurt too. They don't need this thing to go black market. They don't need this thing to be turned on its head. Um, now, before you say, well, gosh, Jeff, how do we know players betting, players potentially being compromised is a problem? Well, the answer is we know it's a problem because several players have already been caught. It's amazing. Not only have they been caught betting against their own teams, you got to admit, I mean, I'm pretty open-minded about betting, but you got to admit, if you were a coach or a teammate or athletic director, you find out some dude on your team is betting against you, you would have a problem with that, wouldn't you? Instead, the guys that have been caught, not even mentioning the legal problems because they've been hiding and betting using their mother's accounts, which is a crime, because they're underage. But the guys that have been busted for betting on their own games, the schools are appealing their three-game suspensions. This is like turning to someone in your office and saying, hey, Frida, you keep stealing from petty cash. Yeah? All right. See you Monday. Wait, what? (laughs) What? They are blowing it in every way. So several players uh, have been caught. The platforms caught them, by the way, because they have obviously have the firewalls and they catch somebody who's trying to bet underage. And it turns out the players were using accounts of their parents and stuff like that. So they've been charged. Many of them have already been charged with a crime. And before you say, why does it matter? Think about this. If you can't fully appreciate how much of a problem gambling is on campus, remember, Even a guy, a seventh-round pick, right? The Indianapolis Colts had a few players that have been suspended for betting. They've been betting. They were betting on games, sitting in the locker room. You'd say, oh, boy, they're going to fix a game. Look, these are guys still making a few hundred thousand dollars. No, no, there's there's no corruption in the business anyway. But even if somebody wanted to, you're not going to pay them off. But some some college guy, frat guy, who's friends with the, uh, the place kicker, who's a fraternity brother who needs some extra money for beer that weekend, five grand is a lot. Get in the whole five grand and watch what happens. And it's already happened. So imagine a player, imagine a quarterback. In the case of, was it Iowa State, where the guy was betting on the under against his own team, and he was a backup quarterback. Now that guy gets in the game, And $5,000 means a lot to them. Imagine what happens. Imagine what will happen. I didn't say 500,000. This isn't, you know, this isn't some NFL quarterback. This is a guy 
in middle America, not playing at a football factory where they could give you money if they wanted. This is a guy where five grand would matter a lot. This is probably a guy where twenty five hundred would matter a lot. And they're in the hole for twenty five hundred. And what's what's two interceptions? Big deal, right? So, some kid wanting and needing money, or some kid already upside down on bets, figures out a way to throw a couple of interceptions or miss a couple of field goals, and it's on. It's on. And maybe it's happened already, but we're going to find out, and they're in a collision course for this to happen. And I say all this because they tried to pass some rules today, and it's so typical of that idiotic industry. They've done absolutely nothing. Not cracking down right now is insane. It's insane. You guys are going to really screw up everything. And they're hiding from it. A player for Iowa or Iowa State, maybe it was Iowa, was caught betting, like several of them. I don't know why it's in Iowa. It's legal in Iowa and there's nothing else to do. Instead of kicking him out, they appealed his three-game suspension. They wanted to keep him around. So, uh, what's happened now? Um, the NFL's cracked down. The NFL's passed policies. The NFL said... It's be, it's be very clear. We'll send it out to all of you, and you're gone. If you bet on football, you're gone. Goodbye. Done. The NCAA, that's the governing body of college football, sort of. It's like your neighborhood association, but they're not even very good at it. They tell you to trim the hedges, and you say, screw off. That's what the NCAA is. But I'll have to say this. At least they're trying. The NCAA announced that it is advocating for stricter sports betting laws and regulations for what it says will protect the integrity of its sports. Imagine one time, one, one game is thrown. Don't tell me the questions don't start coming from every direction. Don't tell me it's such a scandal that Congress doesn't get involved. This thing will be turned on its head, and they're going to let it happen on their own watch. You can see it coming. Sports betting laws, this is reported by the USA Today, today, Sports betting laws have been considered throughout the country. The NCAA says that while most states have, quote, robust protections and integrity provisions, many do not. The NCAA is making changes to help student athletes make smart choices when it comes to sports betting. But given the explosion of this new industry, we are eager to partner with lawmakers and regulators. (laughs) Again, you bet you got to go. You're done. You're out. You're out of school. You're out of the program. You're out. We can't, we can't screw around with this. Instead, you know what they're going to do? They are going to basically treat you like you're in driver's ed. Oh, you need a class. You need a class. All it's going to take is one game to be thrown. One. And it's coming. One game. And the whole thing is on its head. And what their answer is, maybe a few classes, maybe some online classes will fix this. That's going to mean a lot to the poor college kid who's in the hole for 10 grand. You think, he's, you think your online class is going to influence him? The NCAA wants revenue made from sports betting to go toward education to support higher-risk college student populations, including student-athletes. I don't even know what that means. But if I were a platform, I would hear that and say, I'm sorry, are you asking for me to give you some money so you can do an online class? How about no? How about no? So they want revenue from, from betting to go to classes to tell the guys so they won't bet, maybe. 
And if they do, they need to learn how not to do that. What are the chances you think, what would you do if you were a betting platform? Would you hand them some money so they could do online classes? Uh, the Associated Press has found 175 infractions of sports betting. Okay, that's just this summer. And you know sooner or later, one of those is going to be some guy who says, okay, okay, I was in the hole for 10 grand. You better believe I missed the field goal. So what? We were playing some directional school. Eliminate penalties that result in student-athletes being withheld from competition. This is what the rules, they've, they've proposed the rules today like they're going to fix this. So here are the rules now. They want to eliminate penalties that result in student-athletes being withheld from competition regardless of the dollar value of the wagers and including bets placed on other sports at a student-athlete school. So the first offense of betting on your sport is no punishment. Yeah, that'll show you. Maybe next time we'll tell you. So you need to go tonight at your apartment. We need to go online and don't do that again. Okay, don't throw any more interceptions and make, you know, to pay off a bet, please. That would be athletes will be required to get education on sports wagering rules and prevention. Second offense. Okay. You mean I get to try to throw a game twice? Second offense could potentially involve withholding penalties depending on the dollar value of the bets. You guys are crazy. You aren't just bad at what you do. You are crazy. So first offense, you didn't know better. Let's let's get you a video, okay? Let's uh, let's do a little online class tonight while you have some beer, and then you'll learn you'll learn your lesson. Second offense, well, um, depending on how much you bet, then we'll decide that one. Depends on how much you bet. Then the third offense could result in the loss of one full season of eligibility. Third offense, did you know the NFL just said you're done? Goodbye. Let's be pretty clear about this. Don't bet on football. If you do, goodbye. They've given you three chances before you might be kicked out. You fools. You fools. Now, this stuff has done been done the past two days. So this is how they're going to crack down on guys potentially betting and trying to throw a game, influence a game. Would somebody ever admit to it? I don't know. Maybe not. What are they afraid of, though? Why would they even uh, why admit to anything? You fools. You know who should be screaming first? The platforms are going to be screaming, but the coaches ought to be second. The coaches ought to be terrified of this. This is, this is awful for your business, and you ought to be terrified. So the industry could not be handling this any worse because it's not handling it at all. Um, they're setting themselves up for a disaster. And smarts and university presidents with guts would have stepped in and said, like, I don't care what the NCAA says. Hey, coach, let me be clear to you. We find out anybody bets, I don't care if it's 50 cents or 50 yen. They are gone. They're leaving. As in not going to be playing football or basketball or whatever, and they're not going to be in this school. Done. Goodbye. Coach, you got it? I don't even know that's happening. They get three strikes. So... What they should say is anyone associated with the athletic program that bets on their sport, you are done. There. 
You'll be given a chance to go through education and reapply in a year. Goodbye. Anyone that bets on their own program, you're gone for good. You're not coming back to the school. You're not coming back to the program. You're not coming back at all. Goodbye. No turning back. No options. None. Zero. Somebody else wants to take you. That's their problem. Um, You kick them out of school. This is crazy. This is worse than cheating on a test. Are you kidding me? So not only is college football not going there, they're not even anywhere close. They just decided today that what we're going to do, since we've had some problems already, we've already, that's the crazy thing. You've got evidence you've got a problem already. Already. And you haven't even looked. But they're not even, they're not even going to go anywhere close to this. They promised education. When I get mad at you, depending on how much you bet, and then the third offense, you might need to be suspended for a few games. And even when that happened, at one school, they appealed to get the guy back. The guy throwing your game got invited back. You're crazy, and it's going to end badly. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Oh, yeah, we have no lead-in from the smoker voice. Oh. You know what I think we ought to do is just somebody out there in the audience um, sing some bad 80s songs or something. We'll just use that as uh, coming back into the show. This one I have to pick up right after the smoker voice starts. Okay, so the New York Giants are, are a train wreck. Um, <laughs> and one of the offensive linemen, in particular for an offensive lineman to talk trash, is a big mistake. This is an epic rant. It's an epic rant. It's great. It's it's pointed. It's I don't blame the guy at all. So just to set this up, the offensive lineman for the New York Giants, I believe they gave up seven sacks to the Seahawks. Eleven. Eleven. I'm sorry. I quit counting. You know, like the first half, it was seven. So they were absolutely destroyed on Monday night. I mean, it was a joke. And, you know, I mean, look, it's New York on top of that, but I think any city, you'd be mad. So one of the players decides to, uh, he's been out of shape. He doesn't like getting booed. Um, He wants to pop off about it. So (laughs) he goes public with his criticism. No, with his take that it doesn't matter they're booing him because... They're a bunch of losers and sheep, and they do nothing but, I don't know why he said make hot dogs, but he did. They do nothing but make hot dogs and flip burgers. Right tackle Evan Neal looked up towards the stands, raised his arms, and gestured sarcastically. He said he did not flip off fans, but he did yell a clear message to them. They are booing us, so I said, boo louder, Neal told NJ Advance Media on Wednesday. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep, he added. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Are you kidding me? i cut his ass. I would. How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers blocked than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut.
cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. <laughs> you see him in the mall of Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him. If he wins a Super Bowl, boo his sorry ass. Screw that guy. We're not nobody. Flipping, but how are you taught? How do you condescend to people that pay to watch you play? Poorly, I might add. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you gave up. It's it just, there. there is no... There shouldn't be any contacts for the guy saying this. I, 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 he turned to the crowd. Listen, I've been booed before. Plenty of times. I've been booed at home. One thing you learn. I learned this at a young age. My dad was a referee. You think that wouldn't... Nobody liked him. You got to keep your head down and stay in your lane. You cannot react ever. It doesn't matter how deserved it was or not. But... In the case of this fat ass, he gave up 11 sacks, man. I mean, you were worse than bad. There's nothing you could say. I, I, I mean, the only thing you can say if you're the New York Giants and an offensive lineman for the New York Giants, which is also a different level of this, your only answer is, I don't blame them for booing. We suck. Silence, silence. That's it. That's all you can say. <laughs> he called them burger flippers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you know, look, if you were in, uh, I don't know many NFL towns that would tolerate that, but I'm pretty sure in New York it's not going to be tolerated well at all. You want the rant again? I don't even know the guy's name. Who is it? Brandon, it's on there somewhere. I think he's a late night guy. He's just Don. Don Lagreca. Oh, the great Don Lagreca. Yeah, sure, that guy. Yeah, four a.m. Don was he? Don had just had it. Great rant. That was I it loved was, it. It was outstanding. It was and it was perfect. I'd heard about this this guy popping off. He turns to the crowd, and of course, you know, look now. First of all, it's a bad idea. Period. End of story. You do not go into the crowd. You don't. You, it can't end well confronting 60,000 pissed off people, right? It can't. I don't care if you think you're right. Go to the locker room and shut your face. But to then think they're not going to, you're yelling at them, they're burger flippers, burger flippers. You think they're not going to record that? And sure enough, they did. And sure enough, it was made public. And sure enough, the great Don LaGreca at 2 a.m. had had enough. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Way to go, smoker voice. I know, I know, I know. Everybody wants to hear that rant again. It's not even one of mine. Uh, Usually, I only get that worked up about scummy politicians. You know, like the ones we have in Texas. Okay. Brandon, what was his name again? The great... Don LaGreca. <laughs> Great. You know what? You're doing overnights in New York. Your name better be Don LaGreca. And Don LaGreca's just about had it with the New York Giants, and I cannot blame Don. 
Right tackle Evan Neal looked up towards the stands, raised his arms, and gestured sarcastically. He said he did not flip off fans, but he did yell a clear message to them. They are booing us, so I said, boo louder, Neal told NJ Advance Media on Wednesday. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep, he added. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Are you kidding me? I'd cut his ass. I would. How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers blocked than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. <laughs> you see him in the mall of Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him. If he wins a Super Bowl, boo his sorry ass. Screw that guy. We're not nobody. Flipping, but how are you taught? How do you condescend to people that pay to watch you play? Poorly, I might add. Let me add this, LaGreca. I don't think he's going to the Pro Bowl, okay? I don't know about the mall. I haven't heard anybody say the mall in a long time. But, yeah, I guess so. If you happen to go to a mall and see him at a mall, you do boo his ass. But I'll make this one problem you're not going to have with that dude or anybody on that offensive line that gave up 11 sacks. It could have been more had Seattle wanted to, but I think they got tired. They were afraid they are going to hurt someone. But I know this. You don't fans that he called... I don't know about flipping hot dogs. I mean, don't those little wheelie things in the convenience store do it for you? Who flips hot dogs? But he said it. Um, I don't think you have to worry about booing him at the Pro Bowl. That, I don't think, is going to be a problem. I can almost guarantee you, you do not have to worry about booing a New York Giants offensive lineman at the Pro Bowl. You know who else you're not going to have to boo at the Pro Bowl? That quarterback who's an absolute... Train wreck at quarterback. I don't know who from the New York Giants you're going to have to boo at the Pro Bowl. Don't worry about that part. But if you see him at the mall, yeah, that's <laughs> get booed at the mall uh, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now at Jeff Ward Show. Don't we have an ex governor, pointy boots, working on gambling in Texas? How could he fail? That pointy boots is something else, man. I got to say this for that. That goes to show you how there was a guy when he was governor. What was Rick Perry governor? 48 years, something like that. And during his time as governor, he once said, I probably said it more than once, there would be no expansion of gambling on my watch. And then here we are years later. He is at the Capitol. My favorite part of pointy boots pitching legalized gambling is how he pitched it. And I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know another way. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know. I mean, how else would you pitch it to the moral compass that is Ken Paxton or Dan Patrick? I mean, 
So, I mean, yeah, you can say money made, you can talk about tax revenue, but I don't think people that follow those clowns over at the Capitol, I don't think they understand revenue. I don't even think they care about taxes. So I'm not sure Pointy Boots didn't go about it the only way he could go about selling gambling in Texas, and that is to quote the, you know, from the Alamo. He went Davy Crockett on him. Freedom, freedom, Braveheart, freedom, gambling is freedom. That's how he pitched it. Of course it failed. Of course it failed miserably because the jackasses at the Capitol are pandering to a bunch of knuckleheads who don't know any better. So he failed. I don't fault somebody for hiring Pointy Boots, and I don't even know that I fault Pointy Boots for his sales pitch because I don't think he had many options. He's not exactly dealing with the sharpest potential clients in the world, okay? So this is the one time in my career that I might cut Pointy Boots some slack. I'll never cut him slack for wearing tiny running shorts. Tiny, tiny running shorts. But I will cut him some slack for how he pitched legalized gambling in the state of Texas, and that is freedom. It didn't work. Uh, Statesman.com has a story today that asked the question, of the 13, that's the number, 13 locally owned Austin businesses still operating after 20 years, how many have you visited? That's the title of the, the story. Um, okay. First, I, I really can't believe there's still 13. But that's what it says. There's 13. They list all 13. So get ready for the game. Barton Springs is not a business technically. And so Barton Springs, correct me on the exact date, but it's set to be paved over for a condo tower, I believe, next fall. I think they said early fall of 24, but it didn't count because you can remove it from the list, but it's technically not a business either. The Zilker Zephyr, which is the train there, which nobody knows about, it's going to be replaced later, I think before December, it's going to be replaced and paved by a paved sidewalk that leads to a condo tower. So those things are out. What percentage of people that live in the Austin area can say their number on this list of 13 is zero. I'm going to bet that percentage is pretty high. Okay, what do you bet? The percentage of people that live in the Austin area that can say of these 13 businesses, they visited zero. Raise your hand. What percentage of people that live in Austin can say they've been to less than five? Okay, and here's the, probably the best question of all before they, I'll give you the list. The best question of all is, what is a smaller percentage? Think about this part. What's a smaller percentage? The people that have been to zero of these businesses or the number of people that have been to all 13, which is greater. I haven't even been to all 13. I don't think. I'm going to bet that the number of people that have been to zero is far greater than the number of people that have been to 13. The number of people that have been to zero of these businesses is probably greater than the number of people that have been to five of them. That's just life now. All right, here we go. Uh, it says statesman.com. We have uh, we spent a lot of time mourning the locally owned Austin businesses that have closed in recent years. They mentioned Lucy in Disguise, Shady Grove. You ever drive by Shady Grove? Is that not depressing? 
you look over there. I mean, I don't even, I don't know how many people even know what was there, but don't. I mean, if you've been here for more than six years, I guess. When did Shady Grove shut down? Like, can we not do anything? You just have to let it grow over. <laughs> like, put a, some trees there or something. It's depressing. No one ever wanted that space. Yeah. Uh, okay, so by now it's time to celebrate the independent merchants who have been in business for 20 or more years. Preservation Austin. I remember when I was in high school or college. Remember that ad, ad campaign it used to be Buy Greater Austin? Uh, the nonprofit organization is sponsoring its first Legacy Business Month in October. The idea is to recognize local treasures that are still making Austin what we know and love. Really? We're still trying. You got to give us a little bit of credit. We're still trying. It's like the hole in the wall deal. We act as if that saved all of Austin. You know, it's been over for a while. I hate to give you the bad news, but it's kind of over. But thanks for hanging in there. If we keep talking about how great things used to be and still are, then I'm sure they will. Legacy Business Month guides Austinites through Austinites through 13 local businesses that have been in operation for at least two decades and help define our local culture. All right, here you go. Raise your hand along the way. I'm going to bet more people have zero than more people have all 13. First on the list of 2023 book people on North Lamar. Opened in 1970. You don't want to be that old Austin Krabby guy, get off my lawn, do you? Because I can start talking about the very building it's next to, that Whole Foods, used to be right down the street because I used to go in there shoeless and shirtless. And I believe a guy who's a billionaire now used to make smoothies there. All right, number one is book people. Next, South Lamar, opened in 1964. And this is one place where I think we could all say nothing has changed. Nothing. Broken spoke. You ever stopped and taken a look <laughs> how it sits there with all the apartments around it? It's kind of funny. All right, uh, next up is 110, no, 1110 East 52nd Street. The Broken Spoke, by the way, was opened in 1964. Opened in 1963, the Carousel Lounge. 1511 East 6th Street, opened in 1943. Cisco's Restaurant, Bakery, and Bar. Okay. How many people can say zero so far? How many people are going, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. Where's the Bed Bath & Beyond, Jeff? Huh? That's what a lot of people are saying. Where's Chili's, Jeff? Uh, next up, 2315 Lake Austin Boulevard. Opened in 1951. And it looks and smells the exact same. Had a few pitchers of beer there. Deep Eddie Cabaret. At least go by and take a look. Okay. Uh, next up, 604 Brazos Street opened in 1886. The Driscoll Hotel. Meh. That's a meh. Meh. I know it's politically incorrect to say it's just meh. Uh, all right. Next up on East 7th Street opened in 1936. The Green and White Grocery. I've never been in the Green and White Grocery. I haven't. Sorry. I'm I'm out. I can't do all 13. Uh, you know what did make the list, though? Um, well, it's the place I've been to most. 
Uh, here you go on uh, 200 West Mary Street, opened in 1986, is the Herb Bar. Next up at 713 Congress Avenue, used to be called the Majestic Theater, of which 0.00001% of the population knows. That is the Paramount Theater, which is cool. Uh, that That's just a good look. Next up, I've been there no less. Okay, I've been there no less than 30 times. It might have been, in one spring, I might have been there 20 times. The greatest finishing hole in all of miniature golf. And you haven't lived until you've received a putter from a guy that's really stoned. You haven't lived until you've talked to a stone guy about, you know what, can I get a red ball or the blue? What do you think? <laughs> you haven't lived. You haven't lived till you've hit. You've teed one of them up with a putter and tried to hit the train. That's living. Peter Pan Mini Golf opened in, have you not read the sign? 1948. How many people can name what was 400 feet down Barton Springs Road from Peter Pan Mini Golf? That would be Charlie the Alligator. A 12-year-old Jeff Ward tried to free Charlie the Alligator with french fries on his nose. He didn't move. Next up, 88... 2-2 McCann Drive. <laughs> I'm not proud to say this, but I'm going to do it. I was there just a few months ago. I requested a song there, of which they didn't have. I'm so old. Playland Skate Center. There you go. It's still going. And yep, I did. I wiped out a few times. My toe stop didn't work so well. Uh, next up is Quality Seafood Market, 5621 Airport Boulevard, opened in 1938. Playland Skate Center was opened in 73? Really? Huh. What was the peak of skating? Mid-80s? Terracloth shorts? Uh, Quality Seafood, 1938. Waterloo Records and Video, 600 North Lamar, opened in 1982. How many people have been to Zero. Most, the majority, the vast majority. People are going right now, they're saying, well, Jeff, is that, um, huh, is that, is that near Starbucks, Jeff? What about Wheatsville Co-op? Anybody know what I'm talking about now? You don't. Uh, with a big dragon? Do we still have the dragon on top? I'm trying to think now. Wheatsville Co-op has been here more than 20 years. I mean, that's the quintessential Austin place. You mean the Nighthawk is gone? We don't have the Nighthawk anymore? How can you leave off Wheatsville Co-op? Of the 13 listed, they listed 13. I, they're going to get some award. That's kind of cool. You know what? Here's the sad reality of life in Austin, Texas now. Of those 13, how many will still be in business in the next three to five years? What do you think? Half? Maybe? Ten at the most? Peter Pan Mini Golf for the greatest closing hole in all of mini golf. Uh, where you can drink and smoke more weed than any other miniature golf course in the United States. That thing is already set to be a condo tower. You know that's coming. So what of the 13, how many of them will be around in five years? Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.